four of rock's greatest composers came from just two bands. On Kinks and Beats Daily, we take a look at the songs and albums that exemplify the highlights of John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Ray Davies, and George Harrison. Hello, hello, hello. I am Tony Fry. This is the premiere episode of Kinks and Beats Daily, a podcast I'm I'm sure I'm going to regret starting, at least with this particular schedule. What I'm going to do, basically, as of right now, until I change everything in a couple of weeks probably, but as of right now, I want to take uh, every day, Monday through Friday, I'm going to take one song by the Kinks or the Beatles and just kind of dissect it. And these aren't going to be long podcasts. These are going to be short, quick um just analysis of what makes them great, what makes them my favorites, uh, what makes them musically interesting from a theory standpoint. Uh, if you don't know me from Twitter or Facebook or anything, I'm a musician by trade and also the founder of HeroHabit.com, uh, where I write about music quite a bit. The, uh, the reason I want to do these two bands, though, obviously there's a bajillion podcasts about the Beatles. There's no shortage of that. But there aren't as much about the kinks, and I think uh, musically, the two of them should be, you know, held in similar esteem and and looked at the same way. A lot of times you hear people talk about, oh, are you a Beatles person or a Stones person? And in reality, the kinks musically have more in common with the Beatles and vice versa than the Stones do. So I want to take a look. We're going to alternate. So today we're going to be talking about Here Comes the Sun. Tomorrow we'll be talking about a Kinks song that you've probably never heard. So I'm excited to bring that one to you. And you can go to the website, herohabit.com, and in the community section there's a bunch of groups. And in those groups um, we can talk about each day's podcasts, and I will post like a video or YouTube link for the song that I'm talking about. So if you haven't heard it before, you can go and check it out. The odds that you haven't heard uh, today's song, though, are incredibly small. Here Comes the Sun, uh, the Beatles' most streamed and downloaded song uh, on iTunes and Spotify, is iconic. There's no, there's no other word to, to say it, really. It is pop perfection. There's not a single note out of place. There's not a single bit of the recording process or the producing that is overdone or or i don't it's just perfect it's the perfect song it was released on september 26 1969 so uh nearly 50 years to the date of the recording of this podcast uh, uh it was uh, on the abbey road album as the opening track to side two and while it's a fantastic side opener i think it works best as uh, a CD track following uh, I Want You, She's So Heavy, which builds and builds and builds and goes on for minutes and minutes with this just huge sound and just stops abruptly and then goes into the delicate work of Here Comes the Sun. Um, but alas, at, at the time of release, it was the side two opener. It was written in Eric Clapton's uh, garden, I believe on his acoustic guitar, while uh, George was playing hooky from some business at Apple Records. Uh, it's noticeable, or not noticeable, notable, that John Lennon does not appear on the recording because he'd been in a car accident and 
missed this these sessions. But uh, George, Paul, and Ringo, they, they, it's the performance of a lifetime, really. George Martin, the Beatles producer, called it, uh, in many ways, one of the best songs ever written. Uh, the in many ways bit kind of lessens it, but that was how George talked about George. And the reason I picked it first was because on the new release, uh, remastered, remixed, 50th anniversary edition of Abbey Road. This song is a revelation. Always one of my favorites anyway. But if you listen to it on headphones, do an A-B comparison for me with the original mix and the new mix. The guitars sound crisper. The Moog synthesizer is, I don't know, it's it's not more prevalent, but it's just really nicely done. But the background vocals on it are, it's like hearing them for the first time, particularly in the first 20 seconds of the song. So I encourage you, that that will be the version I post on the website, is the new mix from 2019 of Here Comes the Sun. Doesn't offer you any, there's no um, hidden guitar parts or anything. Although George did record an electric guitar solo, we later found out that was not included on the bonus features or anything of this uh, Abbey Road release, which I think is a little bit odd and kind of a missed opportunity, but maybe they just didn't think it was cool enough to include. What really makes it uh, stand out as a George Harrison composition though, is its unusual form. It doesn't take the standard verse, verse, chorus, bridge, you know, uh, because the bridge, it opens with the chorus, for starters. You have the intro and then the chorus, and then it goes into the br- uh, verse. But then the bridge is the longest section of the song, and it's also the most unusual. Wikipedia um, says that, and this is going to get a little music theory-ish, so I'll try to explain it uh, in a way that's accessible to everybody. Wikipedia says that um, the bridge, and I'm talking about the part that goes, sun, 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 here it comes, right? The uh, They say that it's uh, a bar of 11-8 time, followed by a bar of 4-4 time, followed by a bar of 7-8 time. If that sounds complicated to you, it's because it kind of is. This is not something you hear in rock and roll really ever, but you hear it a lot with uh, George. And that says nothing about the turnarounds they do uh, instrumentally, they kind of have an implied feel of 3-4, but they don't actually shift all the way to 3-4. I would argue it's a hemiola, but that's an argument for a different podcast. I'm going to pull out the score, though, because I feel a disagreement with the Wikipedia analysis. So after we do um, the verses and the choruses, there's a bar of two. Okay, so uh, we have the the hemiola I talked about the da 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 bump bump. So that bar two for me is the start of the bridge because it it repeats, and then from there he does three bars of three eight. He does one bar to set you up, and then it goes into the sun 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 bit. Um. So you go bump bump. Da 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 da
So basically what happens is in 4-4, four, four, your quarter notes get in the beats. You're going 1, 2, 3, 4. And if you divide those in half, you're going 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and. And then when he goes into the 8 rhythms, whether it's the 11-8 like Wikipedia says or the 3-8 that the score says, what he's doing is he's changing the beat from being on the quarter note to being on the eighth note, and they transition seamlessly. So you're going one and two and three and four and one, uh, I'm sorry, one and two and three and four and one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. So the, uh, the one and two and becomes one, two, three, four. All right. So it gives you the feel of uh, faster movement but it's not really moving any different tempo what it also does though is it changes the pulse so in four your pulse is four one two three four in three eight your pulse is one all right so i'll clap it apologies if you're listening on headphones so we're going one two three four one two three one two three one two three one two three one two one two three four all right. So it changes the entire pulse. That's why you can't tap your foot to it and land on one every single time. This is crazy, right? So he does that. He's got your three bars of three, eight. And then he goes into a bar of five, eight, which is subdivided um, in a group of three and a group of two. If I was writing this score, I would actually write it as a bar of three, eight and a bar of, I guess, two, um, so he's going one, two, three, four, five. So it's it's a it's a pulse in two, but it's an uneven two. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. All right. And then, as if that wasn't crazy enough, he goes back into four, which is where you've been the whole rest of this song. And then a bar of two. And then he repeats again. So in all. Going into it, we're going one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, five, one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four. That is not easy. And it's the Indian influence, um, which I think is why Wikipedia calls it 11, 8, and then uh, four, four to seven, eight, because those are more aligned with the way, uh, Indian musicians would, would perform it. So it's definitely that influence, but to, to make it so seamless in a rock song, in a, in a beautiful rock song, this isn't some progressive rock. Yes. Pink Floyd kind of thing. This is a beautiful little pop tune about the sun acoustic driven, you know, uh, to be able to do that is incredible. And for the band to just effortlessly, if you listen to Ringo's drumming on it and you will discover on this, uh, podcast over time that I am a big fan of Ringo's drumming and I will fight anybody who tries to impugn his genius on the instrument. Was he, uh, as technical as Keith Moon? No. Was he as creative? Yes, but in a different. Uh, he went. He he channeled his creativity down a different direction. But if you listen to his work on this song, he just effortlessly flows from all these different meter changes, and there's never 
a you could set your metronome to it. There's never a a passage that's in a different time. You know, or he doesn't slip. He does. It's very easy, like that bar of five eight. It's very easy to rush those back to one two three four five one two. It's real easy to do it, and they are just locked in, and they did it in relatively few takes, which is kind of incredible. So there's that. This uh, this song doesn't have the trademark George Harrison chords that you would normally get. There are a couple suspended chords um, coming out of the bridge, but. For a guy who's known for suspensions and diminished chords and, and you know, a lot of extended sixths and ninths and stuff like that, this is a straight ahead um, chord progression. And there are some cool things. Uh, Wikipedia describes, I forget what they called it. I also disagreed with it. A triplagal progression. It's a circle of fifths, but whatever. Again, I'm going to try to steer clear of too much music theory nerddom. But uh, it's fantastic. Now, on the new remaster or remix, you can really hear George's acoustic guitar picking. All right. And he used a capo. So even though the song's in A tonally, um, he's playing it in a D position, capoed up on the guitar. And that allows him to be able to pick out the melody of the song while still using open chords. And if you listen to what he's doing underneath it on the same guitar, just in the intro, you don't have to go past the intro. Back to the score. He opens up with, you know, he's just playing the melody and it's harmonized and everything and it's beautiful. But underneath it, you hear him droning uh, first a, a, a what he's playing, uh, what would be an open D it's actually an a, um, and then, and then, so he's droning the roots of the chords underneath this melody while he's picking out the melody, while he's harmonizing the melody, you have this drone that is almost completely absent of pattern or rhythmic timing. I mean, it is rhythmic, but it's like, it's not your standard where most guys would play it on the downbeats of every measure, he is playing uh, one, two, three, four, and, and, three, and, four, and, one, two, three, and, one, two, three. Like, it's it's a weird pattern, but it mixes perfectly with the rhythm, and, and it's really pronounced on the new remaster, remix. I keep switching those words, and they're not the same thing, but you all know what I'm talking about. So... Uh, beyond all that, it's got a beautiful string arrangement uh, written by George Martin, which stands on its own as a piece of music. Uh, on this new box set of Abbey Road, they included just the um, orchestral part as a standalone track, and it is phenomenal. And it turns out there's some pizzicato strings on there, which I'd always heard, and I'd always thought they were... Uh, banjo plucks or something but it's 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 pizzicato um, violins i guess or violas overall it's a beautiful song uh, i could probably keep going on and talking about it we didn't even talk about the moog synthesizer which is another thing george brought into the group uh, and is very understated they could have gone crazy with it uh, but it appears here it appears on maxwell silverhammer it appears throughout 
the album of Abbey Road, but very subtly, kind of t- as a supportive instrument, not a lead instrument, and uh, and it really highlights. I don't know the creativity and and just the fact that they were using these new things and George was bringing in the Moog synthesizer onto a onto a acoustic pop song that is also dripping with his Indian influence that he just brought in uh, three years earlier. So this is, by all accounts, a George Harrison song that just happens to have uh, phenomenal drumming by Ringo and a bass line that is a lot more, uh, I don't want to say heavy, because it's not heavy, but there's a lot more, it's a lot more driving than, than one would assume for this tune. So that's that. That's Here Comes the Sun. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Swing by uh, herohabit.com and go to our groups. There's a Beatles group. There's a Kinks group. Um, and share your thoughts. In both of those groups, we're actually running a uh, bracket for the best songs by those two respective bands. The Kinks, because voting has been a little bit slower, um, are still in their first round. But the Beatles... Um, are in the second round of voting and I'm just pulling up the group here because I'm going to see how Here Comes the Sun is doing. It did make it to the second round, obviously, because why wouldn't it? Um, The second bracket is divided for the Beatles um, in 1963 to 1966 is one bracket. 1967 on is a a second bracket. And Here Comes the Sun has 60% of the votes. But get this, uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps has 100%. Something has 100%. Here Comes the Sun has 60%, and Across the Universe has 80%. So three of the four top songs right now are George songs. So that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, anyway, go go to herohabit.com, click the group button, find the Beatles group, and vote on those polls uh, so we can close them out and reduce it and get to the next bracket. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast. This is going to be daily. And this will probably be the longest one because there was the intro and the explanation and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a quick reminder of why the Kinks and the Beatles are two of the greatest bands of all time. All right. Uh, Follow us at Hero Habit uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Rate and review us if you like this show on the iTunes. And uh, tell your friends. All right. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun one. I hope you guys will subscribe and join me tomorrow as we tackle a Kinks song. I'm willing to bet none of you. I can't say that because if there's every Kinks fan is going to know it. If you are only a casual acquaintance of the Kinks, you don't know this song and you should. That's all I'm going to say about it. All right. I will see you guys tomorrow. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.